Well, Spurs lost the North London Derby, and we have a massive Arsenal fan on the pod today. John Scheimer joins us to break down Arsenal's win over Tottenham, Messi's prospects to play in the Premier League, Chelsea's abysmal summer signings, and gives us his predictions for the top six. We down here in the Ratsail Bunker and Barbershop Studio, and this is the Boys and Bolos podcast. Welcome back to the Boys and Bolos podcast. We down here in the Ratsail Bunker and Barbershop Studio, Jarrett. Week 28, it's over. It was a... We played week 29, week 28's over, and now we're going into week 30. You know, it's really annoying. There's still some straggling games from week 29. Yeah. So we're not going to have like a formal week 29 because we had week 27, week 28, and we'll have a week 30. But week 29 was just meshed all over there. So we're not going to have like a pod dedicated to week 29, but we'll touch upon the game. And there's some game in hand games still being played. Yes. There's a God, there's so many game in hands games. Uh, tonight on the pod, we have none other than John Shimer. John, welcome to the pod. How are you? I'm just doing spectacularly this weekend. He had a great weekend. He, his team, Arsenal anybody didn't know john's a giant arsenal fan they won the north london derby it was a controversial game to say the least and uh that we'll leave it at that i think we'll no just leave we're it at not that. gonna leave it at that oh okay That's we'll get to it eventually we'll get to it eventually that was the first match next to like all the barrels of gasoline well i, I mean it was controversial well you know what? Yes. I, I didn't think it was as controversial until about a couple hours ago when we saw that post where that a former ref about, said it wasn't a penalty yeah John, did you see that? Or so, you know, he came out and he was like, eh, I don't think it was a penalty. The reason why, okay, if we're looking at the Lacazette penalty situation is because Lacazette mishit the ball. But do you think, okay, well, do you think it was a penalty first off? Yes, and then why? Does. Okay, so you can't clatter into a player. It's a foul. It's, it's a foul. Box. It sucks, but guess what? That's a foul. And he mishit the ball and the ball squirted away from him a little bit, but still like... Sanchez can't come in that recklessly and take Lacazette out, which is what he did. Pure and simple. You hit man to man, no ball. That's a foul. Yep. I think it's, you know, I think it's a penalty. I was surprised to see that ref come out. Cause if I'm that ref, he has his opinion, which is cool, but it doesn't do anything for the league. It just like undermines the FA. It undermines the refs. It undermines the decision that's already been made and a game that's already been played. I don't know what, what we get from that. Sanchez obviously was a bonehead for coming in as high and as hard and, he, and reckless as he did. The reason why he came in like that with his foot outstretched is because I think he was expecting Lacazette to actually make con- good contact with the ball. And if that was the case, it didn't go off the outside of his foot and he hit it straight on. He might have hit the ball. Oh, so in the event that Lacazette hits it well and Sanchez blocks it, I think it's still a penalty, though, yeah, because he probably hit Lacazette probably, but he's, he but, he, but he has to make a, some kind of play. I mean, yeah, it's reckless, but what is he going to do? He, first of all, Lacazette beat Sanchez and the rest of the defenders. Like, it was a great ball that he got. What is San, Like, Sanchez doesn't have a choice. He has to do something. I don't know. It's just, it is, it is what it is. Mm. This is the one thing that I'm sometimes unclear on in games, okay? And this has never been explained to me perfectly well is that a defender can come in and get ball first and still sometimes have a foul after by taking the man out because if the ball's knocked away a little bit and the player's taken down as well and he doesn't have a chance to get up and recover and get back to the ball, it sometimes is called a foul. I would say the large majority of the time is not, but like I've never had a clear explanation on that. So I don't understand either. Sometimes you, you see a player will like not, not just in the box, but like uh, in open field tackle, get all ball, but he like, his like trailing leg will hit the player. But because his like, he, because that trailing leg hit him, it's called a foul. But even though he got the ball, I, I just don't. This is one of the most vague things in soccer. Cause you're totally right. You could have a tackle that's in the box. You could have a tackle that's in the box, a tackle that's in the midfield and a tackle that's in the other person's box. And they'll be called all different if it were the exact same tackle. And the one you're talking about, John, where it's like a guy comes in hard, he wins the ball, but his inertia takes him through the player who's obviously on the other side of the ball. And you can see reds for that, which is kind of weird. And it's all about the angle, the velocity. Is his cleat up? Is it not? Where does he hit the player? How the player reacts? It's like all of these things in context. And I don't think the laws of the game address that at all. And now that we have like slowed down to a millionth of a second, it just makes it worse. And we can like, 
I just think generally replay in soccer is a bad thing. I don't like VAR. I always liked all the controversy that was left over because that's the way the game was. Like if there were VAR, Maradona gets a red card and England probably win that game. <laughs> it changes the history. Like if there was VAR, Lampard scores that goal against Germany because it went three feet over the line and that game's maybe different. I think Germany still win that game. Germany was still winning that Ger- game. Germany would happen. still win that game. Germany would still win that game. They beat, yeah, they beat the shit out of England and then they beat the shit out of Argentina. Aggregate score of eight to one. Germany's going to win that game, but it changes the game. So I think now that we can like really dissect things, everything just seems. I think VAR was supposed to make the gray more black and white, but I just think we actually have more shades of gray. So this is a question I had for you early in the week. I think the Premier League just sent out a quote unquote questionnaire to all the Premier League teams or feedback basically on VAR uh, and how to improve it. What would you guys improve upon VAR? Like what would be your one rule? I know there's a lot of rule changes, but like if there was one thing you could change about VAR, what would it be? All right, so I think I would say this. I would like to see the VAR people bring the center official over faster. And sometimes it's difficult to do that because they're usually waiting for a stop stoppage of play in some way, shape, or form. But I would like for the V... And honestly, I would almost say I would just prefer that VAR overrule the center official more often or make the direct call because I think they can have they have the time to be able to do that. And I can't think of a specific scenario. It's it's kind of you got to have to like see it and then explain it as it happens. But like, and I, I kind of think this is the way it should be in every sport that the VAR official should have just because they're there, they're reviewing it, they can make it happen, they can they can call it in live time, and all you have to do is just buzz the official. Like let's say, all right, that Lampard goal happens against England, or I'm sorry, for England against Germany all of a sudden you just buzz the official and say, and that's how, that's actually how goal line technology works. Now you buzz the center official and all of a sudden, okay, we saw that it was over the line. You buzz it, you stop the play. It's a goal. And I feel like you could do that a lot more often and just make the call and be a little bit more hard line about it. I think there's a lot of times where like the, the VAR official for whatever reason, doesn't feel like, that person is a high enough authority to like put his imprint on the decision-making and whatnot. He wants to defer to the center official at the center official make the call. And that person's probably in better shape to, to make the call than the center official. I would say. I agree with you hundred percent, John. I think that there has to be more communication and transparency between the field and VR, VR, at least that's what I'm hearing. And to go a step further, I just think the mics for the, between the VAR booth and the center official, I think those conversations should be made public and transparent. They should be, you should be able to hear them at home or at least see like a transcript of what they're saying to create more transparency. Or if not, have them down field side, just like they are in the NBA. When they go to review something in the NBA, all the refs go over. Same with the NHL too. Same with the NHL. NHL. You can hear the refs talking. Oh, what did you see? Oh, I saw him come in. Oh, what did you see? Who did it go off of? Just because if you don't have an empowered, like whenever you empower people with information, they're going to be more likely to be trusting full stop. If we're just feeling the dark and, and we're, we see this screen and we're just waiting, we're not a part of the process. We don't feel like we have any skin in the game when really the, it's, it's, it affects these two teams more. I mean, the refs get paid no matter what. Well, like, all right. So here's an example of, of that. I, I totally agree with that. What was that thing that, that, ha- that happened like two weeks ago in the Manchester United game where the center official said to one of the players on the field, I probably should call this a penalty, but if I call it, it's going to be a big controversy in tomorrow's headlines or whatever. A penalty is a penalty. Call it. A penalty is a penalty. That's you what gotta, they're getting paid to do, right? Yeah. I mean, a penalty is a penalty. If they're, if refs or any ref that is worried about social media or publicity or the press or any of that backlash shouldn't be a ref. I totally agree with John. The re, and the reason, the big reason why I agree with John is because the ref in the, in the VAR room is the same level ref as the one on the field. And they often swap. So like Mike Dean will be in the VAR room one day. Michael Oliver will be in the VAR room the next day. I want to see what Mike Dean's wearing in the VAR room because <laughs> in my mind, he has a projector on the screen and he's in a hammock with a with like Tommy Bahama shirt and he's just watching the game. And he's like, eh. I imagine he's always in his referee uniform. Always. At all, always. He sleeps all, in it. He sleeps in it. 
He, he makes love in it. He showers in it. <laughs> goes to the beach in it. He showers it and then has like a full drying thing he stands in and it like a <laughs> blow dryer. Yeah, but like these guys, they're the same, they're the same level ref. Why wouldn't that ref be able to make the call? If especially because he's in power, he has way more information. There's way more cameras. They have so many freaking cameras in the field now. They're, they're, they're getting instant replay. They're slowing it down. They should be able to make the call. They should just be able to overrule the ref instantly. Like, just be like, no, you fucked up. Like, you, well, I think they do wrong. that. I think, no, they, they don't do it as much as they don't, they don't do it, but, but they do do it. But then I think that that leaves the stadium, the fans, but the that, players. I think you're right. I think that's the problem. I think it's, it's about consistency. So, but like, it, but it leaves them in the dark. Right. Cause it then they're all like, knows. okay, this was made and then why? Yeah. The other thing I think about the Premier League refs is that they're a lot of them are horribly out of shape and they're always running behind the ball. There are refs who are just not. That's what the referee's trained to do, though. You're supposed to run behind the play. Yeah, yeah, they're supposed to be behind the play, but you know what I mean. They're not. They're, they're not. Far. They're too far. They're not like they're not keeping up with the with the with the play. I'm going to stand up for the refs. My boy Mike Dean, Alex Ferguson had a similar thing years ago. And he was complaining that the refs were super out of shape. And if you look at some of them, it's like they dude, are, they just fell out of the pub. And then they went and looked at the average kilometers ran in a game. And the ref had like outran half of the United mm. players. And Alex Ferguson was just like, well, all right. We've <laughs> seen some pretty abysmal. Uh, we've seen some pretty bad Premier League ref performances though in the past. But do you think it's due to the fact that they're a little chubby? Yeah. Some of it. I think some of it. Yeah. Could be. Here's, They're also really bad refs. Here's, the, here's refs. the thing with VAR. I think constantly about a play that happened in the 2010 final. It was probably the most controversial call that wasn't called in sports history. And it really, I think, yeah, it was the Nigel de Young to Shabby Alonzo's chest. Yeah. Nigel de Young goes up for the ball and he's a hack. Nigel de Young is the Granite Shaka or the Eric Bella <laughs> of that, of that Holland team. Just, kid. Yeah. And he just kicks Alonzo <laughs> like square in the soul. Like if it were mortal Kombat, it's over. Yeah. And so I think it was Graham Pohl at the time. He had a decision to make. He's like, this is a red card offense, but we're about 13, 14, 15 minutes into the world cup final. If I red card him, I've destroyed the game. And it was a stupid error. It was a stupid mistake, you know? So he ends up giving Nigel de Jong a yellow. And then after when he was talking about it, he was like, the game needed to be bigger than that play. And we needed to see the context of this is the greatest game on earth. And this is the biggest game on earth. And I just think in today's VAR, he's red carded just because of all the hype and too many people making a decision and Graham Pohl can't do what he's supposed to do, which is read the context of the game and make the best decision. So I think about it that, and I do think Nigel DeYoung gets a red card under VAR. Is that, that doesn't seem unreasonable because we've seen way less given a red card. Yeah. So maybe Nigel DeYoung's not such a reckless bozo and going in with the, the, leaping swan move from the karate kid. And I mean, that also set the precedent for Holland to be able to hack the shit out of Spain the entire game. I mean, if you remember correctly, that was their game plan up Spain as much as they could to stay in it. They and just it almost worked. Yeah. I mean, they, they sat Robin back. Did, Robin had scored that breakaway. The game doesn't even go to overtime. He had two breakaways, both saved by Casillas. Yeah. So I would argue that regardless of whether it was the 13th minute or the 93rd 90th minute he should have got a ready card but that's that's neither here nor there to fix var there needs to be one thing a biggest thing with with var is consistency and it's not consistent right and so everybody's confused about what can be looked at via var which you know you think it's everything but then that's not always everything uh the other thing is is like just the actual calls in the field whether they're you know right or wrong whether the ref on the field versus the ref in var is the one in charge and then you know it's just, I, I guess that's pretty much it for me. In other leagues, it seems like in when Champs League is playing and we watch VAR, it's just done way better. It just doesn't seem like as long, the, the stoppages are as long. It just seems like the ref on the field just like communicates better. He just goes, he just checks in with the VAR. They go, yep, yep, VAR check. Okay, good. And they continue on. With Premier League, it's like this big thing where it goes up on the board and like VAR in progress. And then it's like you're sitting there for like minutes, literally minutes. That's the biggest thing. So I wanted to ask the question. I think we got it. I think that's a pretty good answer. Do, are we going to see any changes? Eh, probably not. I have a question for you two. <laughs> yeah. This is this question is like in the movie. The Dark Knight, where the Joker is hiring new people for his team and he breaks the pool stick and drops it on the ground between three guys and says, I can only have one team member. That's this question. So I'm just preparing you. Okay. All right. Which team finishes higher Tottenham or Arsenal? It's going to be close. It's going to be like, <laughs> hold, on, it's, hold, on. 
Hold on. Before we do that, I just need to reveal something right now. <laughs> you can't see it, but John has his Arsenal scarf and his jersey on. I like how you revealed it uh, 10 minutes into the pod. Oh, yeah. It, nice. was, it was a slow, a slow burn. I'm Arsenal till I die. John. Arsenal till I John. Die. I know I am. I'm sure I am. I'm Arsenal till I die. John, when uh, Lamella got the red card and I was like, well, that's over. The game's over. I took my jersey and I ripped it off and I just threw it across my room. I'm like, enough of this. He threw it. And then that night he had a seance with candles and he had sage and he, and he lit it on fire. What was the question you had again? What was the, you already forgot the question. Yeah, You're the question? unbelievable. I'm sorry. You're unbelievable. Oh, who finishes higher in the table? Who finishes yeah, higher? We'll start with the ref question. We're trying to try to deflect away from Jay's question right there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What was the question? I forgot. Oh, I'm the most self-deprecating Spurs fan out there. I would do a little. Which is saying something because I've seen Sp- Jeff like lets me into the Spurs world. He'll be like, "Hey, he sent me like a screenshot of like Spurs conversations, and they're just like the darkest things you've ever heard." John, John I think Arsenal fans think that or. We're, they're under the impression like Spurs Spurs fans like think their team is great. No, 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 no. Let me tell you something. We we think we're dog shit, and we know and like based on our performances, dog shit. That fucking game was painful. Let me tell you, it wasn't. I mean, it was bad. It was brutal. Jared. So the question I asked, which you so promptly and Deflected. timely forgot oh i forgot was yeah. which team will finish higher I don't know, your man. spurs or his gunners i mean there's still 10 games left i uh 30 points 30 points on the uh for up for grabs who knows i fucking john don't know. what do you think i don't know i honestly don't know at this point you, i don't know because john disagreed with our take that we think the highest arsenal can finish is eighth so what do you think the highest they can finish is seventh or sixth arsenal all right so I'll say this. I'm going to answer this in a slow fashion for you. Who do you think is the most important player on Arsenal since the second half of the season? Let's call it the Chelsea game. Smith on Rowe. Smith Rowe, Smith Rowe, 110%. He was Smith the biggest Rowe, difference best maker. Player in that I had field. no idea who this dude is. And then he's out there dicing and slicing. Dude, he destroyed that Chelsea game. He was the most important player. And he's something that I don't think Frank took into account. And that is what ran us amok. It was also very inexplicable why he got taken off the field. Yes. In, in the Spurs Arsenal Guess game. Guess how many games he played before that Chelsea game. That was his first game. Zero games before that Chelsea game. Give me, guess how many times he was even in the lineup, on the lineup card. Before. Probably small One to or zero. two, maybe. Two. two yeah. He, he two is, times he was even on the lineup card this entire year before that game. And he's come in. And he's completely lit the league on fire. Now, his stats aren't like off the charts, but what he does and what he's allowed Arsenal to do is completely transform the way that they defend and also transform the like the opening of space for guys like Lacazette and Obama Yang and even Odegaard, you know, and Sokka for sure, too. Sokka because sure. before that, Sokka was like really the only threat. Obama Yang hasn't been a good player for them this entire year. You guys are better without Obama Yang, which is crazy. If you if you look at Obama Yang's wages and Williams, I think it's about a half a million dollars every week that I think is useless. I don't think it helps Arsenal finish as high up as they are because when you have Smith Rowe and Odegaard, those guys were just running circles. They were just it was a different team. Arsenal's a different like Smith Rowe is about three times as valuable to me than Obama Yang because his connecting play is I don't know. He's phenomenal to watch. It's not just that. You know, this is something that we're trying to teach our our Boston College guys right now is how to make those run those runs through the lines to make the defenders respect what you're doing. And he's committed to running through the lines of any defense at all times. And what that does is it stretches a back line out. You have to respect it. And when he gets on the ball out in those those wide spaces out on the edges of the 18, like every single time he's a threat. And so now both sides of the field between Saka and Smith Rowe, like you have two guys that are fast, hard, shifty, know how to put the ball into those assist pockets to really, to really create the goal scoring chances. I mean, that's what he's doing. And he's, so I I told you, Jay, that I was going to pull some stats for you. He started 10 games since that Chelsea game or 10 games, including that Chelsea, I'm sorry, no, 12 games, including that Chelsea game. And 
Arsenal is eight, two and two in those games. And I want to say they're like second or third in the league in points since that time frame. assuming he stays healthy and Saka stays healthy and Tierney's and Tierney's the other guy. That's a huge piece of this too. Tierney and Smith row on one side and Saka on the other side. And then Odegaard operating in the middle. I think, I think Arsenal is on the move. There's 10 games left. I think they could, if they win eight of the next 10, and they've beaten Leicester, they've beaten Tottenham, they beat another big team. I'm going to have to go look look this one up. But like, Chelsea. if you're Chelsea, okay. You know, they have some, some pretty big kills on their resume over the last 15 games or so. And not too many other teams besides Manchester City have that type of resume at this point. They only lost one to nothing to Man City. And, and Smith Rowe didn't play in that game. So the two games that he hasn't started, they lost to Man City one to nothing and they tied Burnley, I think one to one. I know this is a long way of long-winded way of me getting there, but I think Arsenal is going to get up to seven or six in the, in the table. I think Everton's going to drop down. Yeah. I think Tottenham and Liverpool probably stay right about where they're at. Yep. That's about how I feel too. Honestly, I don't think every team, like we said in the beginning of the season is going to be separated by like one or two points. And so it's going to be tight and it might come down to goal differential for a sixth place. It might come down to goal differential for fourth place too. Very well uh, might, you know, Leicester, they won big this weekend, but they could slide a little bit. They slid last year and they're not, they're inconsistent. I know they've been, they've, they're in second place, but, or I don't know if they're second or third, but they're in third place. But Manchester United has been dropping points to lower teams. They haven't beaten many big teams. So it's conceivable, right? So Spur, I think there's going to be a, pretty big battle for that sixth place spot. I think Everton's going to do the slide, continue to do the slide. They're just Everton, you know, they're just going to keep falling. It's just, that's just the way that they are. I don't, I don't know. It's and, good uh, that Aston Villa, sorry to cut you off. It's good yep. that Aston Villa is already done the slide. Yeah. Aston Villa was fourth or fifth. And you look at it now, they have two games in hand, right? They still have these games in hand, which are killer because it gives this like opportunity cost potential look that maybe they could be higher, but they're in ninth with games in hand. But even if they win the two games in hand, the highest they can get is tied for sixth. Yeah. So they're going to start to go. Everton's starting to show signs. And it's really going to come down. Like, what is West Ham? What is West Ham going to be? Are they going to make the top six? Or is it essentially going to be the top six of last year, almost to the exact order? Mm. It could be to the exact order other than City and Liverpool flipping. With Leicester in third, Chelsea in fourth, maybe Spurs in fifth and then Arsenal in sixth or, you know, I think it's going to come down to Liverpool Spurs and Arsenal for the fifth, sixth, seventh spots. Yeah. yeah I mean, Liverpool won, Arsenal won. I mean, Spurs have to play Aston Villa still twice. One of the games yeah. in hand that Aston Villa has and Spurs have is again, are head to head. Aston Villa has an absolutely brutal lineup, you know, down the stretch here. They've got, Spurs twice still. They've got Man United. They've got Chelsea. They've got Man City next month. They've got Liverpool. I mean, they they still have to play the you know the powers of the league. They have to they have to play the steel of the league. And the, the only thing not going to win all those games. yeah the only the only thing oh no for sure. But the only thing they got going for them is they don't have to play midweek games. I guess I I guess. But they also don't have two teams like most of the other yeah, midweek true. teams. Yeah, they, they have one so. team. That's it. One of those players goes down. You saw Grealish going down. I mean, if Grealish comes back full strength, which is probably not going to happen, they have a chance. But you see how they how they are without Grealish in the midfield. It just doesn't, doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say that. Like, how long is he supposed to be out for? Because I can't remember what he got hurt for. But I don't remember either. I have no idea. I, I don't know if it was like an emotional injury. Oh, speaking of injuries. happy on the sideline, so. Saka came out of that game half, uh, half I think. Yeah, what Pepe happened came in? Did, did he get game? just get bodied out of the game? Is that what happened? I, I is he just like a knock? Is that what it is? I don't know. They said it was. I I can't even remember that. I think they said it was a tactical thing, but I I haven't looked that one up. Because it was like end of the first half. Toby came in like pretty hard in, into Saka on the sideline. Saka like went down because he's a small guy, which it might have been a foul, but I don't know. But then he came out at halftime. I thought he might get hurt to put Pepe in, which whatever. Do you think uh, Miguel Arteta is staying at Arsenal, John? I know you're probably looking up the soccer thing, but do you think Miguel Arteta is staying? Because there's been rumors that he may go to Barcelona. And if Barcelona come knocking with that job, there's no way he will say no to that job. Barcelona is such a mess, aren't they? I mean, oh, they're a hot off topic mess. here. But 
no, no, no. We could talk about Barcelona. It's a dumpster fire. It's bad. What a mess. I mean, you should have sold Leo Messi last summer and recouped an absolute fortune to help start the rebuilding process of life after Messi, which was coming either last year or this year without question. Would they say there are a billion dollars in debt? which I don't know how that's fathomable. Jay and I have had discussions about that, but like the amount of people that go to their matches, I mean, it's the one of the biggest stadiums in the entire world. And they sell um, so many jerseys too. Like they just have to have, yeah. I, don't, I don't understand. I, I mean, it's exactly, it's really, really bad business. That's basically like looking at McDonald's and being like, how is that not profitable? Right. <laughs> because they're a global brand. You can't go anywhere in the world. And if you don't look around long enough, you will not, you will always find a Barcelona jersey. For always. Sure. Here's a big reason why they were such a success in the early 2000s and into the, the teens and whatnot. They were taking all their kids from La Masia and implementing them into their roster. Or they were loaning those guys out uh, to, to like PK to Manchester United and then bringing them back. Yeah, Fabregas to, to Arsenal. Arsenal, you know, and bringing them back. Or like selling them, like Cesc Fabregas was sold, but they were able to bring Fabregas back at a, like a discounted rate because... Fabregas always said, I'm going to go back to Barcelona when they want me, which is what happened. They've gotten away from that in the last decade. They really have. And they've sold off some guys that could be playing for them instead of, instead of bringing them up. And what that's caused is, is, you know, let's buy uh, what's his name, the forward from Atletico Madrid, the the French guy who, who absolutely sucks for them. That was um, one of the worst decisions in soccer recent memory for buys. He doesn't fit into what they do. He doesn't fit into their playing style or any of it. Coutinho? Coutinho, Coutinho was worse. Same. And yeah. even worse than that was Dembele, who they paid $150 million for. They took the Neymar money and they bought Dembele. I was like, what are you guys doing? At least Dembele was young. Yeah, it's true. Philip Coutinho and Griezmann are at the back end of their career. So yeah. if Dembele didn't work out, you can at least recoup money on a resale. You can't for those other two guys. We were talking about Footy Emporium put something up once again. If you don't watch, if you don't follow Footy Emporium, follow them. We have no reason to say that. We get no sponsorship, but they put up a stat that was like Barcelona's eagerly trying to get Coutinho off their books because they still owe Liverpool $50 million. So then they're so, going to take that new team and just say, just pay them directly. We don't like just pay them, which is insane. That is like the worst business. That's like, honestly, it's like the financial crisis of 2008. Like a bunch of people getting mortgages that don't even have a jobs. <laughs> it's laughable. It's, it's asinine. So, okay. So, so, so this goes back to the question though. Do you think Arteta goes or stays then? Or does he go and under the, under the guise of like, we're going to go in a completely different direction of the club. And we're going to go back to the Masia and try to pull up guys. And we're going to change it. I, I just think as a Spanish dude, and it's Barcelona, if they come knocking, I don't really see people say no to Barcelona or Real Madrid almost ever. I can't remember a time when someone's like, nah, I don't really want to go there. Well, let me say this first. It's hilarious that now he's getting, because they've all of a sudden started playing well again and doing what I thought he was going to do initially. What were you, about three months ago where he was, not even three months ago, two months ago, the Chelsea game, he loses that game. He's everybody's calling for his head, which I was not, I was really not in favor of that at all. I think the whole, who's going to get axed next thing in, in the premier league is outrageous. See Sheffield United and what uh, Chris, uh, what's his name has done for that team. Chris Wilder. Chris Wilder has done, you know, for so long. Sometimes that stuff is, is insanity. So now all of a sudden Arta has, has got Arsenal playing really, really well. And, and now he's getting linked with one of the, it jobs um, in the world of football. I don't even know if he's their number one choice, to be honest with you. I think Xavi is really their number one choice. I think Arteta's a little bit of a smokescreen, to be honest. They wanted Xavi uh, before they hired uh, Komen, and Xavi was like, no, I don't have enough professional managerial experience. I need to get a little bit more seasoned. Xavi's coaching that team in the Middle East, I think in, in Qatar or something like that. And I think if they go back to Xavi the next time, I think Xavi would say yes. I mean, Coleman's doing a fine job with that team there this year. Like, I know it's a new president. He probably wants to bring in his own guy. But, like, you know, Ronald Coleman has done a pretty good job with that Barcelona team, given their limitations. They sucked in the in the Champions League. But you know what? They're not one of the best teams in the world right now. They have a lot of old players on that team. They have a lot of players that are not Barcelona quality. 
you know, when we think of the glory days of, of Barcelona, how many of those guys are going to be able to play on that team? There's only a handful. There's Leo Messi, and that might be it. That's it. That's it. Everyone else has moved on. And since Iniesta left, they've only won one cup and he left like six years ago, which is super daunting. You know, obviously we're a Premier League podcast, but talking about Lionel Messi is world football at its best. I think they bring in Xavi basically to be like, you need to keep Leo here. You can keep Leo here. If you come, you will help us keep Leo here. But obviously on the other side of it, I'm torn because I'm like, do I want Messi to come to the Premier League? Yes. Am I excited to see him go to a Manchester city team? That's already probably top four teams in the world. I mean, no, holy dog shit. That's like, honestly, that's bigger as far as domination in my mind than Durant when he went to the warriors. I mean, they will just be, it won't even be fun, especially with Liverpool having dropped off and Manchester United being like this weird Bruno Fernandez show where they're riding on his coattails. Cause that only goes so far. So I, I don't know. Like I, we'd like to see the Premier League when you start off, you're like, all right, everyone has a chance to win, or at least, you know, five or six teams have a abiding chance to win. You think, oh, like at the beginning of the season, people are like, oh, Spurs really has a chance this year. Look who they brought in. They brought I mean, in Gareth Bale. I, I think Arsenal Messi's, coming off the FA Cup win. Messi's going to either one or two, one of two teams. He's going it's to City or PSG. City, City or PSG. Can I say something about that too? I, I love Leo Messi. We've lived in the absolute golden age to be able to see him and Ronaldo play at the same exact time and compete against each other for a lot of it in La Liga and in the Champions League. But for the sake, in my opinion, for the sake of his actual footballing career, he needs to go to another league and prove himself in another league. He's never done it anywhere else besides Barcelona. He hasn't proven himself at Argentina. I don't care what anybody says. His resume for Argentina is not strong. They got to a couple of finals. John. John. I, yeah, I know you, you're, you're Here a messy guy. Here we go. I'm a messy guy. They went to the 2013 Copa America final and lost. Gonzalo Higuain lost. lost when they were a heavy of, blew a bunch of goals over the friggin' bar. And then they lost on PKs. They go to the final Gonzalo Higuain misses fucking sitters. Now you got to make it explicit. Then 2015, the year after, they go again, and they're still playing Pepita. The biggest problem with Messi's career, I don't blame Messi at all. Messi's a god. People in Argentina love him. He got so close to the cup, honestly. Like, that Argentina team was not that good. He played seven games in a World Cup, and he won three or four men of the match games. The biggest problem with Argentina is they never played. All those years, they never played Kun Aguero. They always went with Gonzalo Higuain over that. I never understood that, and I never will. In 2013, Copa America, 2014, World Cup, and 2015, Copa America. I still think Messi's a god, but obviously some people are obsessed with he has to win the World Cup. And I see that. I get that. But he's leaning on Messi. No, I want to see him play in a different league. I want to see him not play in the league. I would like to see him play at City, but I'm torn because then I don't want to get... I mean, Chelsea if Chelsea would lean on Messi if they play City. City could beat teams like 12 nothing, And I know that sounds like a hyperbole, but it's really not. The, okay, Messi's that's fine. So good. I think if we're just talking about Lionel Messi, though, like we always talk about how La Liga's dog shit, dude. Like in terms of like competition, I, I know that the top three or four teams are good. Fine, they they prove themselves in in Europe and Premier League. Fine, but all the rest of those teams are are garbage. And so when Messi puts up these crazy stats, scoring a bazillion goals, like it, it's a great. There's always there's always gonna be. An, for me, there's going to be a little bit of an asterisk. I, I just want to see him score more goals. I want to see him go up against Premier League defenders and just get bodied, like, off the ball, 24-7, 365. It's not going to happen. I honestly, I mean... I think it's going to. I think it's going to happen. I'm excited to see him in the Premier League. He's going to... The amount of chances guys get in the Premier League on top teams that they don't put away is shocking. Raheem like, Sterling. Raheem oh, yeah, no. Sterling. Raheem that's Sterling. That's fair. Gabriel Jesus. If he gets, ha- he's going to have Kevin De Bruyne and Riyad Mahrez giving him service. It's going to be ridiculous. This is a dude who carries a team by himself anyways. I mean, Barcelona is a chance of winning the league. I'm not talking about the service he's going to get or the players he's going to play alongside. I'm talking about the defenders he's going to go up against. Okay, they're not that many great defenders, but I think the Premier League is a lot more physical than... The Premier League is a lot more physical. The Premier League is a little bit quicker. The Premier League is many things. 
but I think he's still going to freaking roast because he's going to be on city. They have so many other weapons. By the time he gets the ball, he's going to be one-on-one with 20 yards to go to goal. And he's going to score with like ease, not ease, but it's going to make it look easy. He's still, I mean, he's 34, 30. He's a fine wine, Jeff. I know he's a nice. So, it's fine. We're, it's fine. We're, we're sort of making it out right now that he's definitely going to city. That's not a given. And no, he's going to PSG. I think his best friend plays for PSG in Neymar. And I, to be honest, I think Leo's a, you're going to hate me for saying this, but I think he's a little bit soft mentally. And I, I think he takes the payday at PSG and it's an easy league and has a Champions better chance league. to get into a Champions League final with, with PSG because like you said, Man City doesn't have to, or PSG doesn't have to go through the gauntlet that Man City does in the Premier League. I have no problem to go to PSG. He's going to be 35 years old and he's trying to play in another world cup to try to lift that. So everyone gets off his D I have zero problems with him going to PSG beating the shit out of like Nance midweek <laughs> and then coming into the champions league and pooping on everyone else. You better put some respect on Leo Messi's name, John. You won't get it until he goes to a league that's actually respectable. And he tries to prove himself in a oh second league. My God. That's why Ronaldo's a better player than him. Oh my, I'm dead on the inside. I don't, I just think it's so hard to, I mean, we're going to compare the two. It's just hard to, Messi's played in one league. Messi hasn't won a World Cup. Or any international competition. He's been to three finals carrying the team. I love Messi. I don't have a problem with Messi. I'm just Copa America's a brutal final to get to. Went to the World Cup, should have won it in Brazil. He was surrounded by clowns. Look at that team he was on. You know what? We're gonna go at this for hours. Yeah, we could we could go. And I'm a messy guy. He's La Pulga. Es un Dios. Let's go to this upcoming week. Fine. See how you knuckleheads do. <laughs> I will say if either of your knucklehead teams finishes above Chelsea, I may coup de gras. I may just like commit suicide like samurai, just open up my innards. Tuchel, I mean, I will say this one thing about Chelsea. They can't score goals, so it'll be a lot of ties for you. You have you also have to go through the gauntlet the last like oh our last games. four games John have you looked at Chelsea's last four games they're brilliant no, they're the most I look at them and I'm like we could maybe get six points maybe we lose all of them last four games here we go Manchester City a Billy on the field Arsenal Smith Rowe might do another tap dance Leicester City Jeremy Vardy I don't know and then the final game we have to play our own Ross Barkley at freaking Aston Villa all of those games will not be easy no they're all. They're all teams like we tied Aston Villa, we tied Leicester, Arsenal beat us, and City beat us. So it like, was all about that tie. We're all about that tie game. <laughs> it's so awful to watch. Tie game. Be playing Champions League football still then too. So you gouge my eyes out. We really need Chelsea. to be playing Champions League. <laughs> gouge my eyes out. Uh, we're not playing Champions League football. God. Honestly, I don't. I hate. Not to watching. mention. Not to mention, Tuchel hates Pulisic. He doesn't hate Pulisic. He has plans for Pulisic. He has plans. He's a <laughs> he wants Pulisic to be a closer. He wants him to be a super sub. And Pulisic's like, no, I'm number 10. I want to start. He, he you does. You know, clown. he thinks of Pulisic like a closer, a yeah. finisher. And he's like, no, dude, you need to just put me out on the wing and get me one-on-one opportunities as much as possible. He plays him as a wing back. <laughs> I'm, I'm dead on the inside. <laughs> what the fuck was that about? <laughs> That game was inexplicable. I have no idea what was happening in that game. He got subbed out in like the 56th minute. It it was rough. That hurt. That we're, game hurt. We're, we're going to this. They played Leeds and they couldn't games. even. When are we going? <laughs> Leeds yeah, is a trash defense, dude. You got to. Come on. You're not going to talk about this? Leeds. We didn't. You deflected Chelsea's tie. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out where we are. He tried to, sp- he tried to choke the Arsenal Tottenham fire. What do you want to know? I want to know why they're so dog shit against, against some teams and they show up against Atletico and they. Because we have a mediocre team and against Leeds, he tried to do a four back and he didn't do a three back. And we look st- way too spread out in the back. And we had Rudiger and Christensen trying to play a four back. Which is like you and me isn't, trying to play two isn't on Tiago Silva in, Kevin Garnett, uh, better now? Paul Pierce. It's not going to work. Is Tiago Silva? Tiago Silva's cozy on the bench. He's not. Injured he and Pulisic anymore. are like trading Pokemon cards on the bench. Tuchel, I don't know what's going on. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Tuchel, I have no answers. The conservative approach to, of Tuchel is just like I want to like die. That freaking Manchester United Chelsea game was like poke like hot pokers in my eyes. It was Leeds. Brutal. Leeds was rough too. Leeds, Leeds was was pretty rough, was rough as well. Because that is well, a, when Bamford went. When Bamford went out, that kind of like, I mean, yeah. he's such an important player for that team, which was, uh, that was a weird injury too. Yeah. He was like a hip injury or something. Yeah. But, but, but I will say that Leeds defense is absolute dog shit. So for you guys to not have to not even like have any chances on goal, 
brutal. Brutal. So, I, I agree. It's brutal. Well, that's what happens when you don't play Giroux. You don't play Abraham. Yeah. You don't play Werner to start. And you don't play Pulisic. You just play scrubs. Well, just, ha- an $80 million scrub and Havertz. Oh, my God, dude. Havertz. I, I don't understand how Giroux is not getting into games for that team. He's been easily their best center forward this year. The only reason why I think he sat against Leeds is because he's going to start against Atletico. That's it. It was a tactical thing. We should be able to beat Leeds without him starting. But if he's not starting, then I want Tommy Abram in the middle. We need some kind of a body up there because otherwise you just have a bunch of dudes my size just running around doing stepovers for no freaking reason. It's horrible. <laughs> Hudson Adoy looked good when he came in, too. I don't know why he didn't start. Yeah, when Hudson Adoy is like FIFA 11 on Chelsea, that's where things are. I want, I still, I still think they should trade him. Can we say what a, like an abs, like what an absolute disaster last year's signings like look like for Chelsea right now? I like, it's really rough. Chilwell's hardly getting a game for those guys. Hoberts and, and Ziyech are both on the struggle bus. I think, I mean, Timo Werner has been, oh my God, since uh, the last world cup. I mean, he played well for RB Leipzig last year and had a bunch of goals, but like, to me, and I'm a huge German fan, Timo Werner has been one of the most disappointing players that I've watched playing big games over the last couple of years. I thought he was going to do well for Chelsea, and I thought they were going to play him down the middle, but he, he's too small to be a center striker. And he's not good enough 1v1 to go at guys in, in the Premier League. He's just not. He's a very direct player run right off the back of your shoulder. And I just don't think he's tactically astute enough or technically good enough to, to make it for that team. Like I have a German friend that I have arguments with all the time about him. He's like, Oh, he scores a million goals in the Bundesliga. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Well, they did really well pressing and Nagelsmann is an absolute genius. You know, see the last two years in the champions league with RB Leipzig. But I think that signing's awful. It's Hoberts, a- I think will work out eventually, but like he's, he didn't have a preseason. He got COVID and was really sick with COVID and, He's just had no time to adapt. It's super rough. No one's going to say it's not rough. We signed five guys and there's an argument to be made that Chelsea's better when those five players don't play all five of them. Yeah. We've played well without Thiago Silva. We played well without Chilweezy. We've played well without Burner. We've played well without ZH and we played well without Havertz all on the field, which is insanity. I don't know what Chelsea has plans for in this summer, but they need to get ZH off the books as soon as possible. He just does not fit in and he gets bodied in the Premier League. Completely blunder. Like Tiago Silva, I liked the signing, but he's a 36 year old center back. Like that was a team last year. And you talked about it a lot in the past that was screaming out for going and buying Wumpa Meccano in, instead of Timo Werner. Like, they were screaming out for buying Bailey from Napoli or somebody of that, like in that ilk versus all the other sure playmakers. You don't spend that much money on a left back. You just don't. It's just <laughs> it's bad business. It's not good. It's not good. And I don't know how Chelsea move forward because they have Chilwell there. It's a shit show, right? I do think that they're actually have a better lineup. And now that they're going to a three back with wing backs, yeah, Chilwell doesn't really fit in that. They'd rather play Reese James and Alonso. Thiago Silva doesn't fit in that. He's always played in a four back, being a central defender. And then when you move up, the space is different and Pulisic gets lost because he has to come in the middle more as opposed to starting out on the wing. So it's it's very uncomfortable. And more importantly, let's look at the next week's games because I realize that week 30 is two and a half weeks away. So we're just going to look at four games for the end of week 29. Oh, okay. But it has both your teams in it. So we'll talk about that. So Fulham versus Leeds, John, who do you have? Oh, man. Leeds is such a helter-skelter team, aren't they? They're on the slide, basically. They are. On the slide. <laughs> you guys always are talking about the slide, the slide. Boogie, woogie, woogie. See, the problem with Leeds, uh, okay, you already mentioned it, is Bamford's hurt. If he doesn't come back in the game, no chance. I do think it's accurate to say Leeds is on the slide because not even a couple of weeks ago, they were a top 10 team and they were competitive and they were nicking points off bigger teams. But now they're 12 on their way down with Bamford. They're only two games out of two or three games out of relegation. Yeah. And, and, Fulham, and Fulham is like fighting to stay out of relegation. So I would love to see win this game. Yeah. yeah I was going to say, I think Scott Parker has got Fulham playing a lot better. He's, Finally got a grip on that team a little bit. They're a much different Fulham than they were 
two years ago when they were the worst team maybe ever in the history of the Premier League. They Sheffield is now. <laughs> what's, yeah, what's that? Sheffield is hold now. my beer for that one. Yeah. yeah. God. But I think it's a draw. I think it's one to one. I think there's too much quality on leads to just like keep not scoring. You know, Rafinha and Rodrigo are, are both very good players. I think it's hard to keep those guys. I mean, they, they just attack and attack and attack. They're going to eventually going to, they're going to find the back of the net. So I, I think this is a draw like one to one. Yeah. I think I keep saying Leeds is going to bounce back. Right. And then I'm wrong. <laughs> I, <laughs> that's my problem. I think I think Europa them. League. Yeah. I'm <laughs> jinxing Leeds. I like Leeds. I, I, you know, I want them to score a lot of goals. It's fun to watch, but I, uh, I, I also like, I want Fulham to, the escape. Why right? don't you have the same optimism you have for leads for Spurs? The Spurs are a dumpster fire, dude. There, you should. It's bad. I don't want to talk about Spurs right now. Yeah, but just that I question, think I'll have my chance to, to talk about, about it more. Why don't I have optimism for Spurs because of what what happens in games? What has just happened on Sunday? Dog shit. Absolute dog shit. Okay. That's okay. Good. All right. Anyway, anyway, go back to Fulham. I want Fulham to win. I'm going to say Fulham's going to win. Uh, I'm hoping two to Fulham one. do the escape. Two to one. Lookman. Lookman. Loftus cheek. No, not Loftus cheek, but Lookman, maybe. <laughs> Next game, Tottenham, Southampton. Can I just add one more quick thing? Oh, for sure. I think Loftus cheek is one of the unluckiest guys ever. That guy was on on route to become a pretty good player. And that meant, I mean, you guys have talked about it earlier on the pod. I was at the game when Loftus cheek tore his Achilles against the Revolution. And you, you you went to that game. That was the most unlucky shit ever. It was such a stupid match. How do how did either one of those organizations agree to play a friendly in the middle of the season like that? So if I'm the revolution, I agree to play because Chelsea's going to come over. We don't have to go anywhere. If I'm yeah. Chelsea, why are they why are they traveling three or four thousand miles across a big body of ocean to go say no to racism in America under the president of Donald Trump? What are you doing? Read the room, and then someone gets injured. <laughs> And it's a black guy that gets injured. The whole thing was bad. I I was so pissed about that, dude. <laughs> he was a really good young player for Chelsea at that point, and he has not recovered since then. He's he has not, not the same He has not recovered. And you just look at the guy, you're like, that guy's going to be a beast. He's like, what, 6'2", plays in the midfield. He's quick. He's got a decent touch. He's attack-minded. I mean, I, I watched that too, and I was like, what are they doing? It just made no sense. Tendon injuries, like whether it's your Achilles or your patella tendon, are two of the absolute worst injuries to try and get over. I don't think many athletes recover and become the same person afterwards. No, it was, it was a matter of the age. It, it was brutal. It was brutal. I mean, whew. anyway, uh, it's Tottenham Southampton, Jeff. It's not Tottenham Southampton. It's a postponed game, but it's week 29, so we're going to cover it. We only have three other games. I thought it was Tottenham uh, uh, Aston Villa. Yeah, but for week 29, it's Tottenham Southampton, but it's postponed. But we can just cover it and you can give me your score prediction. It's postponed. Do you not want to give me your score prediction? Oh, I think uh, Spurs will win three to one. John, do you agree? No, I think <laughs> Son going down really hurts them. Uh, I mean, I forget that. I forget I keep that. that. Although he did get, you know, he still got called up to the uh, South Korean uh, international. <laughs> oh yeah, friendly. Oh, well, I'm sure in the Asian country. Sure, Tottenham's going to release him. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Please go over to. <laughs> no, I, I think uh, honestly, I think Arsenal exposed. Uh, how to a little bit of a blueprint to shut down that front three that was looking like an absolute monster. You have to press Tottenham uh, in their back line, and then you shut down the passing lanes that Kane wants to drop into as a false nine, and you force them to the left side of the field. And that was going to leave Sun a little bit on an island, and he blew out his wheel. Uh, and, and that's the reason why Tottenham's not a, a contender as well. I mean, Son and Kane, every single year, each one of those guys picks up a big injury and misses a big portion of the season every year. It's either a hamstring or ankle injury for it's each one. Because they're playing those. too many games. And too many games. Kane hasn't missed too many games. He had a sprained ankle earlier in the year, but he's due for another one. Son gets overplayed. This is something I think they're dealing with. The injury now shows. John, what do you think that game's going to be? Jeff says three to one Tottenham over Southampton. What's your score prediction? So I forgot that Danny Ings is also out with a groin injury. So, you know, talk about doing the electric slide. I think Southampton's like two, seven and one, seven losses. Cause everybody has like a different two, seven and one. 
over their last nine games uh, or 10 games, Southampton struggling. They are riding that struggle bus. I was going to say a draw, but then I remember that Danny Ings is out. I think it's going to be something like two to one or one to nothing. Tottenham does probably get the result. Danny Ings is just so important to that team. And I, I think his injury completely, it changes it even more for Southampton than Sun being out for Tottenham does. I think Tottenham will struggle in some of the other games coming up here that Sun is out because I think he is and has been such an incredibly important player. But then, you know, there's also Lucas Mora, who very rarely gets talked about for Tottenham. But that guy has been such an unsung hero for those guys. I mean, the Champions League final run that they had a couple of years ago, he was outstanding against Arsenal. The goal that Tottenham scored early in the match, uh, Lucas Mora really got it started by taking this incredible touch right at the midfield line that beats a player. He drives forward beats another guy, keeps the ball for them, even though he's in a tough 50-50 challenge. Um, and then ultimately it gets served from the right side out to the left side across for Lamella to hit probably the most outrageous goal of the season. So I, I think they do have enough firepower to just get past Southampton. Um, but Sun is incredibly important. They're going to struggle in some of the big games that they have coming up. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what the extent of the injury is. They'll probably play their cards pretty close to their chest for the next couple of days, especially with the, uh, he won't play in the Europa League, obviously, the the game on Wednesday or Thursday. He pulled up right away. He didn't try to play anymore. I mean, th- those type of injuries are like four-week injuries, usually, at the minimum. Yep. So. I've had a few in my career. <laughs> we all have. We all have. <laughs> Lucas Mora, I don't think there's been a better servant to a team over the last couple of years because the guy single-handedly beats Ajax in the semifinal. One of the better games I've ever seen live. And then he gets benched in the final because Harry Kane's back after like being out for seven years and he just still keeps a smile on. I'd be livid. The only reason why they're there like that this year too, under under Jose for sure. I mean, he's uh, when he picks up the ball, he's one of the most positive looking players. I'd say across the Premier League when he picks the ball up, he just is always looking to make things happen. He's always looking to go forward and not negative. So he's clearly better than Deli Alley and that's not saying much, but if, in terms of like start starting eleven, he has to play now. I there's no question. He now has he has to play. to play. And now, now that Lamella is out on a ban, after, I mean, I was telling Jeff, tell me a stat line that's more like Thug Life than Lamella subbed in in like the thirty, Rabona in like the forty, yellow card, two yellow cards, and he's out by like the seventy. What he a guy! He was trying to get that red card too. There was a challenge just before oh, that. We the the lunge cleats up. He he got in the air, cleats up, and he's right in front of the ref and the bench and the Arsenal bench. That should have been. It should have been. It should have been. Sure. Jeff, we the both guy, thought we were we like, oh. Lamella is like the. He's one of those guys that you like because he's like a spark. You say it, he's a spark, but if you're playing against him, he's the dirtiest player. He's so chippy. He, I don't know. He doesn't know. Kind of a yeah, he and Grant Xhaka totally. started the game on yellow. What's great is, what's great is, um, I mean, he'll get more playing time. He'll he'll only get a one game ban or whatever, so he'll still get continued playing time in the next couple of games. But at least Lo Celso is coming back. Thank God, because like, I don't think Lo Celso is like the savior. But if you're gonna put in a player as like a number ten or whatever, then Celso is at least better than Lamella. I think Lamella tries too many times for one-on-ones and lose the ball, loses the ball. But either way, we can move on to another uh, next game. Game, John. Next game is Brighton Hove Newcastle. Who do you got on that one? And I can tell you where it's played, if that matters to you. It is going to be at the Amex Stadium. So, Justin, I mean, this—the importance of this game just can't be understated. I think. Newcastle's getting relegated this year. We've been saying Newcastle's going to get relegated and we've caught some heat for it just because we want to see Fulham do the escape. I don't want them to get relegated, but they have been pretty poor. (laughs) Honestly, you guys have been on that for a little bit. And I'm a hundred percent there with you guys on that. I think they're Jeff, you said it last week. They're the most poorly run team in the premier league. And it's a hundred percent spot on the history of that club. You know, Alan Shearer is the all time premier league goal scorer leader. Michael Owen played for them back in the day, I believe that's a, it's an all time club. And over the last 15 years or so, they've just been so, so poorly managed. And last year when they were about to get sold to that, I think it was a Saudi, it was a group in Saudi Arabia that was basically the Saudi Arabian government. And the premier league basically said, no, we aren't going to sell to States. 
it was either the Saudi Arabia or one of the other really big oil uh, tycoon families that basically owned the country that they were from. And so the Premier League stepped in and said, no dice, we're not selling, we're not going to get into this type of uh, situation here. I think since that happened and the momentum was like, it was looking like, okay, they're going to be the next man city. They have so much money. They're just going to pour it into the club. And then it didn't happen. And now all of a sudden there's like that huge letdown and they didn't really invest in their team. Callum Wilson's out. I think they're, they're doing the the lecture side all the way down to the drop zone by the end of the season. And I think Brighton wins this game, like one, nothing, two to one. Yeah, I agree with that. I, Brighton does a lot more on the positive end of the football than, than Newcastle. I mean, watching Newcastle is, is pretty rough. I mean, Darla's having like one of the best seasons and they just are like, nah, Darla, get out of there. Dubravka, go in there. Fuck it up for, for us. And uh, he's not a bad goalie, but I think you play the hot hand. That's just like one example of how poorly run they are. It's just so uninspiring to watch. It's just hard. And Almiron's are only like bright light on that team and i hope he goes to another premier league club that's all i have to say do you have brighton also winning yes two to one final game this sunday west ham versus arsenal it's a big game john i will be rooting for arsenal i'll be rooting for a tie i'll be rooting for arsenal as well but i'll be rooting for Arsenal. a win a win would be nice i think it's time for arsenal and chelsea to make sure that west ham know their role in london and it is behind us and they need to start losing points and back-to-back losses to United and Arsenal would start to solidify that. And it would also show that the cream is eventually going to rise. Cause I do think Arsenal is a much better club and team than, than West Ham is this West Ham team. I just think is over. They're just playing way above. They're hitting way above their weight. So two things about Arsenal going into this week that I'm very interested to see. They had an incredible response against Tottenham. When you bench your captain and your lead talisman, uh, and, and we haven't talked about that at all yet in that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang shows up late for, they, they didn't say how many times he's done that this year, but I've got to assume several times because they said it was multiple times. And that's what got Aubameyang basically eventually axed from Borussia Dortmund previously, which is why they wanted to sell him because all of a sudden he was doing all kinds of, I don't know, somewhat selfish things. And I I thought he had sort of gotten by that at Arsenal, which is why they gave him the captaincy this year, but apparently not. They bench him for one of the biggest games of the season and they still go out and win the game. So I've got to imagine he's going to be back in there next week. He looked pissed on the sidelines all game long. So I hope it's a good response. I hope he's, matured enough to realize you can't be a shit bag like that. And we can win without you if you're not going to be on board. So that's a big one. And then number two, I just looked it up. Sokka got a hamstring injury. He's not going to be available for this game. Uh, I don't really, think. you picked up a hamstring. So, Interesting. That's what they said. That's what they reported. So I, I don't know. Weird. Um, Sokka has been their best player. this. Yeah, year. no, I like Sokka. I think he's great. I think Smith Rowe's been their best player. But actually, I just think they've both been phenomenal. Sokka has been their best player more of the season, obviously, because he's played longer. But I yeah. think Smith Rowe's impact is I'd rather have Smith Rowe play than Sokka. I guess I'd just say that. I'll agree. And Odegaard's been a nice signing for them. He hasn't been outstanding, but he's really solidified the midfield. Thomas Partey is now healthy. You know, so that midfield threesome of Odegaard, Partey, and I, God, I, I think Shaka is such shite, but. Between the three of them, they've been pretty good when they played together. And Smith Rowe going out on one side, put a bombing back in there, maybe on the other side, maybe Lacazette down the middle. And I mean, I think they have enough to get it done. Yeah, Xhaka, the problem with Xhaka is just like yellow card bingo. Like, when is he going to pick up the yellow card? Because he picked one up. He picks one up almost. It's like every other game he gets one. I'm He's brutal. I mean, he's not chokeslamming a guy. He's picking up yellow cards and on, wild tackles, just wild he tackles. He's He's dog shit. He'll make mental mistakes. At yeah. really, he'll, he'll play a really poor pass. It starts a dangerous counterattack for his opponents. Like once a game against a big opponent, usually it didn't see it against Tottenham. Thank God. But he's like, still the yellow card. He's so. a wild card. The thing about Odegaard is one of his best. This is something Evan Chung said when he came on and we talked about Chelsea. He's like, I like 
I forget the player. He's like, I like Reese James. Oh, he's like, I like Reese James because it means Aspilicueta doesn't play. If I were an Arsenal fan, it's like the same thing. I like Odegaard because it means Danny Ceballos is on the bench. Because Danny Ceballos is just constantly in a game of possession. He's like actually not trying to score. He just looks like <laughs> Willian when he came off the best bench. Jeff and I were counting. He's like, it must be in his contract to just try to get 100% passes. Because he wasn't trying to do anything else but like find the open man in a very safe manner. And it was, it was just like whatever. But um, what's your scoreline for this game, the Arsenal-West Ham? I think 2-1 Arsenal. And like you said, I think it's time for Arsenal to start saying we're a big club again. And I think they're... I think they've got their confidence back. I think they're starting to get a little bit of their swagger back again. They've beaten Chelsea. They've beaten Leicester. They beat Tottenham. I, I just uh, think that it's not good for... I, I will continue saying that West Ham being in like any Europa League, Champions League competition, they're not ready for that. They're not, uh, they're not a team that's going to be able to compete on, on multiple comp, in multiple competitions. They're just not built that way. And they're not, they're not ever going to be built that way because they're a small club. And I don't mean that. In the, I don't mean that. I don't mean that in any disrespect. Mid table. Yeah, they're, they're mid. Yeah, okay. They're an Everton. They're yeah. They're they're a mid table club from London. That if they got the right price for uh, a Suchek or for uh, Declan Declan Rice, they're going to take it because they're going to take the money. They're not. Gonna, they're not about building this like big team, this Champions League club. They're about staying in the Premier League, taking their money, being responsible. So that's why it's like. It's it wouldn't be as a Premier League fan great to watch one of those teams in a in a European competition because they they'll get to like the round of sixteen or whatever because they'll beat a bunch of you know they'll beat a bunch of Austrian farmers. If but they're in the Champions League, they will not get to round of sixteen. Right. If they're in the Champions League, very true. But if they're in the Europa League, they will. And but then they'll lose. So what what's the point of that, really? One of one of my friends actually brought this up to me about a month or so ago. And it's like, you know, if West Ham had just kept their players over the last 20 years, they could have won four or five Premier League titles. They had guys like uh, Rio Ferdinand. Mas- no, no, I'm sorry. Not Mascherano, Tevez. John Terry, Frank, Frank Lampard, Tevez. Uh, now Declan Rice. Yeah, just a, a shitload of guys that are like really, really talented. But I will say this about West Ham this year. All the props to those guys for doing what they've done. Last year, they were in the relegation zone from a lot of the season or right around it. And David Moyes helped them do the escape at the end of the year. Um, they started playing better football and they've carried that into this season. And they've had a they've had a dream season this year. So looking at players and thinking more broadly about the league, we talked about Smith Rowe, I think, being a surprise this season for Arsenal. John, is there another player that has surprised you for us? Gundawan, Gundinho has been a surprise. But is there another surprise out there that? Like when you look at the league, who's like a most improved player? Yeah. I mean, you, we haven't talked about Manchester United at all today. That's um, a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, I mean, I'm not a huge United supporter, but at the same time, I think it's good for the league when they're a good team. So I think what Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has done there is, you know, he's solidified them again as one of the top teams in the league, which I, I like, I think, again, like I said, I think it's better in all sports when your big teams are doing well. I think it's a little bit more fun because you want to hate them a little bit more too. But when you look at their midfield, obviously Bruno has been the guy since January of last year, but the other guy you wouldn't think of uh, all that much is Scott McTominay. The last 20 games, I'm sorry, last 21 games that they've played in, they've only lost one game that he's, he's, he's played for them. They are 12, 12 wins, one loss, eight draws, Uh, a lot of draws obviously, but, you know, there's a reason why they have vaulted to the top and really solidified themselves as the second best team in the league behind city this year. And he's really locked down that defensive midfield role for them. I think he does a lot of things that Jordan Henderson has done for Liverpool over the last couple of years. He's really solid. He's fast and mobile as a big guy he tackles really, really hard. He keeps the game pretty simple. And every once in a while, he'll slip a run into the box when you didn't notice it and bury one on you. Yeah, he makes uh, Harry Maguire look a hell of a lot better. Let me tell you that much. Harry yeah, Maguire is I mean, not that, that good. And that center back tandem sucks. Yeah, honestly, they good. spent way too much money on Maguire, and Lindelof is a clown. He's an absolute bozo. Yeah, I, I think when Tommy has been pretty good. There was that one game where he scored two goals in like a minute. I mean, we were just like, what happened? And it was. And they were nice goals. Like, they weren't like, oh, he cherry picked a corner, the ball dropped in the six. He like poached them. It was yeah, nice. It was nice. 
So he like he's pushed out Paul Pogba. He's pushed out Donnie Vandebeek, their their big signing from last year, who I thought that was going to be a great signing for them. He's pushed Fred to the side. He's locked down that second position. And I think when you look at some of these better teams and whatnot, you know, Man City having Phil Foden come to the front, uh, Grealish and James Madison and those like young English midfielders. Mason that all Mount. Of a sudden, you could throw Mason Mount Mason in there. Mount. Yeah. I mean, those young, those young English center midfielders, the teams that are doing really, really well have guys that are coming up from their academy systems and, and pushing the team. I mean, they're, they're competing for their, their place. They're winning it and earning it. And that's making their teams better. Yeah. I, I think I agree with that. Is a big example of that. For Spurs, their next player that they have right now on loan is Oliver Skip. He's a very similar player. He's young. He can play center defensive mid or just center mid. He can score goals. He can distribute the ball. And he wants to play and he wants to fight and he wants to compete for a position. He doesn't feel like he, you know, he doesn't feel like he deserves to play or whatever. And that I think it's a lot of that is a lot of these guys are like trying to prove themselves. And so they're they're hustling and they're playing super hard. Declan Rice is going to get his payday this year because I think some teams going to come for him. And, uh, you know, try to pick him up uh, for a cool 100 mil. And nobody on that West Ham West Ham board is going to say no to that uh, at the end of the season. So I, I completely agree. I think it's all about, you know, you need a, a good guy who in the middle of the field who can distribute the ball and play defense and, you know, score the occasional goal. So he reminds me of Michael Carrick a little bit back in the day. He was a really underrated player for and I didn't love Michael Carrick, but like he was such a valuable piece for like that end of the Fergie uh, era in terms of locking down that holding defensive midfield six position. Who was the skinny, skinny dude United had for a while? Darren, what was his name? I think he's still on Fletcher. Darren Fletcher. He reminds me of a Darren Fletcher, but he's just a much bigger guy. Michael Definitely. Carrick seemed to me to be way more technical and like actually like a game changer. Darren Fletcher was just a guy who's just in there and you forget he's there, but that's why he's so good. Cause you forget he's there because he's in that role where you're supposed to forget that he's there because he's doing everything so perfectly all the time. And just like making that one or two simple pass. He's kind of like, for me, I, when I, when I see him, I think of a Darren Fletcher type, but with that fantasy, nothing has changed. Nick Bailey dropped down. Jeff, you went up. I'm floating in the middle. Ozatik is still mini batting the rest of us. And uh, there's Does that. that. Me in sixth? You're in sixth. I dropped down to 11th. I literally go between 10th and 11th. That's where I live. Moving on up. I'm, I'm the Crystal Palace of the Fantasy League. It's horrible. <clears throat> yeah, it's pretty bad. No, Zaha, no goals. Anyways, John, thank you for joining us tonight. And good luck to both of your teams this weekend. Thanks. You're welcome. Go Gooners. <laughs> go Spurs, I guess. Go Spurs. Oh. <laughs> Go Spurs! Go Spurs! Ciao. Ciao. I like what I see from uh, Mikel Arteta coming in last season, being very pragmatic, because he had to. He won in the FA Cup, they beat, beat uh, big teams. Actually look on the back of yesterday, this graphic in terms of, you know, up against the big six sides, how often we came on the show and analysed Arsenal in these big games. And let's not forget, in the previous 19 games, you'd probably see the team in the squad is better than what Mikel Arteta's got right now. So how he's actually done in the big games and also dominated some of the big games. So they didn't play yesterday as they did last season. They were on the front foot, they dominated Tottenham, they looked like a big team, played like a big team. And when you actually look at the goals conceded, you can't quite believe that the, the numbers they conceded. So there's an organisation there as well. Yes, I think Mikel Arteta is fortunate in that. Sooner or later when Wenger goes and then Unai Emery comes in and he changes quickly, Whoever the next manager was, was always going to get time. Arsenal couldn't be seen as a team who just changing the manager every 12 months. So I think that helps Mikel Arteta. Thanks for listening to the Boys and Bolos podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Patreon, Twitch, at Boys and Bolos. If you'd like to be a guest, please reach out. You can hit us on any of the social media accounts that Jeff just mentioned, or email us directly at boysandbolos at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.